Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will okay. witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. Okay. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me all the way from across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon, the gold standard and ghost that according to the Wall Street Journal, the incorrigible Steve Parsons. Good evening, Ron. How are you? That was the fastest introduction you've done in about three months. Well, you know, I, I got a great guest on today, so I'm just dying to get to him, you know. Okay, I'll shut up then. You know, you, you know how I am when I get around famous people. Like, oh, you know, God, the, yeah. It'll oh, be giddy. Where, you'll be wearing the 30 Minutes T-shirt in a minute. Yeah, oh, giddy, you know. So uh, that's what I'm yeah, so, it's the Derek. We, hey, we've got some stars lined up for the autumn. No, no, uh, uh, I'm not letting that cat out of the bag yet, though. Okay, cool. Anyways, uh, who the heck is banging things around? I'm going to bang them in a minute. Uh Okay, so anyways, you'll be you will be here in a in a week, right? A well, a week tomorrow, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, I will be yeah packed and ready to go when we talk on next week's show. Yeah, and today I just finished. And this we're talking. You're going to be doing spirit quests and a bunch of other events with me. But... Yeah, there's something I want to ask you about that because I saw a post a little while ago that said you created the dead chamber, which well, I'm the dead guessing... chamber. I had created, but there was a few kinks in it. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm I'm kind of guessing what we're talking about here is a spirit cabinet. But where did you get the acronym from? The, the dead chamber stands for uh, digital uh, entity anomaly detector. So uh, that's the dead what? chamber. And of course, so we're just it, shoving them inside a giant K two meter. Oh no, no! This is actually you know think of a uh, think of a uh, psychomanthium chamber on steroids. Uh, that's what the well, I built I, now. I've actually built a psychomantian chamber, so yeah, so I have too. So, big deal, but, you know. Mine was a better psychomantian chamber, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we have a guest. I don't feel like talking to you. All right, then. <laughs> so, anyways, joining us now is I the psychomantian chamber's bigger than yours, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, uh, is the hottest working man of the paranormal, Mr. Jeff Bollinger. Oh, we say Bollinger, I forget, whatever. Anyways, Jeff, well, the version it would be Boulanger. See that? You left. <laughs> to blame him. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. He's probably gone off to build a dead cabinet. <laughs> I don't doubt it. He's probably stole everything else I ever come up with. Which is Oh, my God. Really? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, what was that? The voice of God? <laughs> when do we go live? Oh, we are live. rehearsal over? We are live. We are live. Oh, goodness gracious. It doesn't We've get been any live this that's... for three years. <laughs> well, good evening to both of you, or good afternoon, depending on where you're located. Why, yeah, thank you. The good afternoon. The world or whatever. Good evening. So, Jeff, I mean, this is uh, this is uh, an honor and a pleasure for you, isn't it? Oh, whatever. I talk to you all the time. <laughs> I so, do. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I know it is. It's great to be with you guys. I, you know, I, I haven't been on your. I haven't been on with Steve yet, so it's it's good to be on with you, Steve. Why, thank and, you. Yeah, thanks for, for having me. And, you know, I've known Ron so long now that I, I hate him as much as Steve, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what, Jeff? He's just such an important man. I hate to have him on the show because I, I know he's got very little time to do anything. So, um, gosh, I, I, that's why I never ask him. So, oh, whatever. I'm always happy to do it. But it's uh, it's good to be with you, Ron, as always. Ever since uh, Ron and I first bonded, we've told this story a million times. No one cares about the the time we investigated the pole dancing studio. Oh no, not that one. <laughs> good time. That's been, that's been played so many times. But you know what? That is one of the high points of my career as a paranormal. I know. It, it's like a classic. It's like uh, you know, the Rolling Stones have to play "Start Me Up." We have to talk about that. It's it's, it's that kind of go thing. Go on then. Go on then. <laughs> so it all started way back when. Good knows, I was 2008 or something. Or, I don't know. And uh, I got an email from Lloyd Arbach, parapsychologist, and the subject of the email was, "You owe me one." And then he went on to say that there was a allegedly haunted pole dancing studio right outside of Boston, which is pretty close to where uh, both Ron and I live. Ron's north, I'm south. And, um, and you know, she, she has some pictures. Stuff seems to get turned, stirred up when she's pole dancing in her studio. And not to leave a damsel in distress, um, you know, I, I quickly assembled a team and then had to cut said team down because I don't think we could fit the hundreds of volunteers that uh, – had jumped out of the woodwork to help with this into the studio. And um, we went there, and not only did we learn how to pick up dollar bills with our, our butt cheeks, but um, we learned that the place was quite dusty, and sometimes that dust swirls near a camera and can recreate things that were captured on video. But we had a grand old time, and we got to witness some uh, pole dancing. Wow. The best part, though, this is the, the, the defining moment to me, was when, you know, we set up our gear and we had all kinds of interesting stuff there. And, we you know, we had a psychic medium. We had all this. And then, uh, you know, we're all staring at each other and it's just kind of hanging in the air. Well, so stuff <laughs> seems to get stirred up while you're dancing, right? So uh, as we're scratching dance. our necks, I guess maybe you should uh, dance. Dance. And she was all, oh, sure, no problem. Put on music. She starts twirling and... You know, we're, we're looking at each other like, this is why we do it, folks. This is why we got into paranormal research in the first place. And uh, finally, it paid off. And pretty much since then, our careers have gone just downhill, right? Right. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, she had to dress up accordingly uh, because, you know, we had to recreate. Being scientists as we are, we had to recreate the situation. <laughs> is that what we are? Yeah, of course we are. We are, uh, yeah, scientists. That's the word. And um, it, it was very interesting. In fact, I remember her offering uh, Maureen a costume as well, but she declined for some reason. Actually, Ron, I'm surprised you didn't dress up. You have a, uh, a fondness for getting dressed up. Every time I see a picture of you on Facebook, you've got a different costume on. Who is the real Ron? Co who is the real Ron Kolek? Well, there you go. Anyway, so. Uh, as I mentioned, we are scientists, and uh, I, I, you know, I've never been comfortable with that label because I don't even, you know, it doesn't matter. I, go, it doesn't matter. Go with me. Okay, scientists, sure. Today, that yeah. day we were for sure scientists. And anyways, right. and and we and part of what we're doing at SpiroQuest is we're looking at some of the early scientific devices, and. I, I remember you telling me about you're working with a new scientific device uh, now, which is kind of intriguing, which is why we asked you to come on the show. Right. You want to nice tell, segue, tell by a, the way. Tell us a little bit about it. So the Kinect camera, um, oh. it's something I've been working with for about a year, and it's the, the Kinect camera, for those who aren't, uh, aren't aware, it's the same. It's the one you've seen on the Xbox, 
the Microsoft Xbox that people use to put themselves into games, and people are using it, uh, you know, in, in animation software and things like that. But uh, you've also probably seen it on some of the paranormal shows like Ghost Adventures. I'm not sure if other shows are caught on and using it as well yet, but um, I know Ghost Adventures, we've been using it for a few years now. And it, it's really intriguing to me. Now, this camera isn't just the right-out-of-the-box camera. It's been modified by Bill Chappell, who's the guy behind Digital Jowsing, who brought us the Ovilus, uh the Paranormal Puck, the PX, a lot of other paranormal gear that you've also seen on the shows and, and may have used yourself. So Bill has modified the camera uh, to, to look at its depth of field and a few other things, and he's tweak the software so it's also looking in the infrared part of the spectrum a little more than the regular camera would normally. And what's happening is sometimes things are showing up that you don't see with the naked eye. And this intrigues me because I have some understanding of how it works. And in the interest of full disclosure, I actually have an Xbox with the camera. It's a different camera, but I, I, my daughter and I play games with it. It's great fun. Um, you know, when we were kids, we played Atari, and the worst that would happen is you'd get a sore thumb. With these games, you're literally breaking a sweat. You're jumping up and down, running hurdles, running in place, dancing, doing all kinds of things, and sometimes you have to sit down and rest after. They're awesome. So I have an understanding of how it works. But what it's doing is the camera's designed to look for over 60,000 types of human movements. That's shoulders and arms and elbows and hands and knees and so on. And when it finds it, it maps it into the software so you can play the game or so you can you know, participate in, in custom animation or whatever it is you're, you're doing with the software. So what intrigues me about this is that it's looking mainly into the infrared part of the spectrum for these human shapes. And sometimes it's finding it and mapping it. And in a year of using it, and I've used it probably, gosh, 15, 20 times, different locations. Two times I've had results that blew my mind. And then, other time, you know, and then maybe another two or three times I've had a few anomalies I couldn't explain, but I also couldn't put any weight to them either. And those two times have left me wanting to know more and wanting to continue to experiment with it. Mr. Parascience? Uh, well, I was listening with interest to Jeff, uh, because since you gave me a heads up, and we've had the Connect, the idea of ghost hunters here in the UK, have been using the Connect also for about 12 months now. Uh, okay. Some, some, some a little longer. I think they're, they're pretty standard units. Maybe one or two of them have bought stuff in from digital dowsing. But I'm I'm mindful. I, I, I have a, a standard Connect, and I've seen it, you can fool the sensor head sometimes. Sure. If you if you dazzle it with infrared um, from something like a TV remote. And I'm wondering whether what it's actually picking up is reflected infrared from its own sensor because it's back, it, it actually has infrared emitters inside the, um, the connect head. That's and right. Rather, rather like, uh, you know, if you get a, a, shadow, a, a reflection um, it, within you know, the light spectrum or that you, similar to the reflections you get with a the thermal imaging camera, off, you know, what would appear to be non-reflective surfaces. The camera would see that reflection, I'm guessing, as a, as a, you know, it can't interpret it in any other way, um, but as a human, as, a, as an additional game player. Absolutely, you're correct. And, I can, and I, let me further say that I've used it where uh, I was, you know, mapping a person, a living person in front of the camera, and there was a mirror behind them, and it mapped their mirror image in the mirror. Uh, just, you know, uh, because it saw the reflection yeah. and it interpreted it. Uh, you're correct. And not only that, I could tell you, 
if you move it around, it will sometimes get confused by things like chairs or or, or uh, you know door frames and things like that, and it will map it very briefly. It'll it'll try to map a figure, um, but then those figures tend to go away. So for me, when it gets interesting is when you have it set up and you've moved it into a position where you're you're interested in experimenting, and you get nothing, and you continue to get nothing for minutes, you know, minutes of of, of nothingness, uh, and so I, I feel at that point. You've got a you've got a pretty good view where it's not getting confused by anything, and then I'll go in and I'll I'll map myself and I'll see myself in the figure and say okay it's it's working, and then I'll step out of the way, and then see what happens. So that's so you're right. It, it absolutely can get confused. It can and does. Um, yeah. But if if you take some care to you know to, to make sure you're not moving the thing around and that it's stable, I think you can eliminate a lot of those possibilities. So, so why don't you give us an example of what you saw, and so we can see how it sure. it, it would differ from uh, what so, you okay, talked so about. Just, just here's the other thing does, too. Now this camera, more, and by the way, this more? is you know this Bill Chapel doesn't sell these yet. Um, this was modified. I've known Bill for years, and so he, he modified this camera for me. People are using them right out of the box, and they're also getting some results, too, I've, I've heard. Um, so, you know, I, I have no doubt that the camera can do that. But, but the modified versions, there's really only three that, that Bill's ever put out there. One was for Ghost Adventures. One, you know, he, he gave to me, and he's about to revamp the camera again in the next coming couple of weeks, so I can't wait to see what he's got next. But... Um, so here, here's an example. The first time I got something that really I thought was intriguing was in a place called the Victorian Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, where I know you've been there, Ron. Yep. And we were up on the second floor landing area where um, there's, there's like the stairs come up and there's a little landing where there's some, some bedrooms and things like that. And we had it set up and I, I had had the camera. I hadn't moved since I had set it up. And I was going to demonstrate to a couple of people that were there watching what it looks like. So I stepped in, and I put my hands up like, don't shoot kind of thing. That's, that helps uh, the software map you quickly. And I did. And then suddenly another figure appeared right next to me. And what was interesting was we learned from Edwin, the, one of the homeowners, that there used to be a doorway right there. And when you look, you can see the plaster. You can see it's, it's been plastered over. And you can go around the other back side of the bedroom, and it used to be the office for the lady of the house many years ago. And so it was very interesting. It was only there for a couple of seconds, but, you know, it was captured, and then it was gone. And I went, okay, that's really interesting because I can't explain it. You know, it, wasn't, uh, it, it hadn't done that all night. It didn't do it again. But for me, the real mind-bending, mind-blowing experience happened at the Mark Twain house in Hartford, Connecticut. And we were up on the second floor, and I had the camera going. And, I, you know, there was a small group of people up there on the second floor with me, and suddenly someone said, hey, Jeff, you might want to come take a look at this. And Ron knows me. It takes a whole lot to get me excited. I mean, you know, I, 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 it's you could. I mean, I've watched people get possessed, and I just start checking email on my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's that's just who I am. Unless so I, I come over and I look and I say, okay, first of all, there's a crowd of people in front of the camera. The camera, this camera that I have, can only map two people at a time. That's its limitation. So if the three of us were standing in front of it, it would map the two it figures were the most prominent or closest. If one of us took a half step back, that person would disappear, the other one would come back, and so on. So there's a crowd of people, and I'm saying, okay, I see the figure appears to be standing right in front of uh, this this uh, banister and by and by a um, 
this this hallway. And I went, okay, but there's too many people here. So I start pointing at folks. I said, you back up, you back up, you everyone back, 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 except one person who was, she was the woman that was there and seemed to be trying to interact with this thing. So finally, I get everyone out of the room except the one woman, and I still see the two figures. And what's interesting is the view gives you three views. One is a regular camera, so you can see the person standing there and so on. The other one is the animation view, which is a stick figure, and the third is the infrared view. Now, in the infrared view and in the stick figure view, I see there's a little person. looks about half the size of the woman that's standing there. It looks like a child by all accounts. And so we're looking at this thing, and it can't be another person. There's no one else there. It had been aimed there all night, hours, you know, and hadn't picked up anything in that position and, and hadn't moved. And so this thing is there, and so we're telling the woman, okay, you know, move a step closer to it. So she does, and then we tell her to put her arm out, and she does. And this thing, this figure, puts its arm up toward hers. And she says, my hand feels cold now. So now, I mean, now I'm really scratching my head, and I'm going, okay, this, you know, blips don't interact. They just, they appear and they go away. And someone downstairs who worked for the house said, oh, my God, something's happening with the camera I want to see. And she runs up the stairs, runs right in front of the camera to look, and suddenly she's now more prominent, and boom, the whole thing is over. But there's a big but here, and this is the awesome moment. So now she's the most prominent with the other thing. And I said, oh, geez, well, now it's over because you ran in front of it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll get out of the way. And she runs to the other side of the room, and the thing comes back. It, it came right back because then it became the most prominent two figures with the other woman. This went on for literally like four minutes. It got to the point where we're asking it, like, okay, can you put your other hand up? And while it wasn't completely responsive, it, it did enough where I said, this really seems to be beyond chance. And finally, we were just like, I, I don't know what else to do. This is minutes of this thing. So we kind of pushed a, a EMF meter right to where the thing would have been visually. And then it was over. It was gone. We couldn't see it in infrared anymore. We couldn't see the map uh, of the figure. It was over. The event had ended. But this was minutes witnessed by a bunch of people. And like I said, we experimented with it. And my mind was totally blown at that point. I can't promise you there's life after death based on this little interaction, but I can tell you I've never seen the camera do that uh, before or since. And I, I, it, it's enough that makes me want to keep trying it. That's the important thing when you get something that takes place like that, that you, 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 you question it, you want to go back. It piques the interest because that, I think that pretty much sums up what we do in the paranormal world because it just takes that four minute encounter once every hundred years <laughs> or the way i investigate it seems to be once every hundred years yeah um, sure <laughs> before you get that four minute encounter that, that keeps the interest going uh what i there is a question though that uh, that comes in from there you had that long encounter and of course the connect camera is operating or the the infrared uh, component of the connect camera is operating at exactly the same sort of frequency range as a night vision camcorder so sure. it would be very possible to get uh, independent verification from a second camera because if the connect camera can see it then it must be by default visible on a standard infrared camera Right, and, and it was. I mean, in this case, it was. You could see this this shadowy outline of a person, uh, like a little miniature person, on the infrared portion of the Kinect camera, because it can't. It gives you three views simultaneously yeah, no, in the I, software. I'm actually talking about a completely separate night. Oh, sure, camera yeah. Operating, yeah we, I uh, didn't. You know. I didn't have one at the time. Uh, yeah. But 
I can tell you, I've seen when Bill Chappell has his full rig. I mean, it's it's like a moving cart, and he's got the Kinect <laughs> camera, he's got night vision, he's got he's got like four or five different cameras mounted, so you're yeah. capturing all that in real time. Um, See, if you've got, so uh, you know, yes, and, and next time, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I mean, but you know, time and money and limitations. There's only so much gear you can have at one moment. Well, I mean, it's the holy grail of of investigators is to have uh, you know correlation between independent sure. pieces of equipment. Um, and you know the the basic premise of the Connect Ghost, because there are hundreds and hundreds of of uh, incidents on 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 the internet where people are reporting additional game players appearing with their Connect units, then you know it, it should by default be visible on a standard infrared night vision camera. If they're that common on the Connects, why don't we see them on the night vision cameras though? No, it's a fair question. Uh, it's a fair qu- All I can tell you is that this one, the, the one I'm using is modified. It's not, it's not out of the box. So, um, you know, again, it, it, the depth of field has been altered uh, and so on. And, and whether it's looking at a slightly different part of that spectrum, uh, more sensitive or less sensitive than your standard infrared, I don't know. I really don't know enough about it. I'm not an electrical engineer. Um, but no, it's a fair question. These are important as well, you know, to gain our understanding of what's taking place uh, you know, down the line, these are the questions that we're going to have to find the answers to because we need Absolutely. to understand. We need to understand the mo- the nature of the modification. I, I understand that you know Bill will obviously want to keep certain aspects of the design secret, but we do you know, you know as a, as a scientist, guys. I'm not. Uh, we, I'm not a scientist. Yeah, you are. called as a scientist. I said that earlier. I was only that today one night in the pole dancing studio. Just All right, for today. Right, that was just well, to get us in. I'm a I'm a journal. I'm a writer. That's my uh, background. I'm a folklorist. That's that's what interests yeah. me. But I, I get that some of this gear can help validate stories, and to me, yeah. that's interesting. I'm but I'm not it's, a scientist. It's incredibly interesting. Incredibly interesting. But as a scientist, you know, I want to pull it apart. I want to find out how it's been modified, what frequency range it's looking at, how it's operating. Can we then replicate that with another piece of equipment independently to verify what the Xbox cameras are doing? Because we want to catch the ghost. So, I mean, so Jeff, ultimately, that's what we're Jeff, after. Jeff, do you have this posted anywhere so people could take a look at it? Or? Oh, we do. I've got to find it because someone um, someone was so, filming the screen. It's not ideal, um, but because the way this thing works, it has to run off a laptop. The laptop had a clunky connect to the uh, – not connect the camera, but a clunky connection to our um, my DVD recorder. And sadly, the uh, it's just not a real clean one. But someone was filming it right off the screen, where you can see exactly what was happening, and more than that, you can hear it. And that has been posted to YouTube. I will find the link and send it to you. Excellent. Oh, that would be awesome. Then we could uh, put it up there and let our uh, listeners. Yeah, sure. You know, hey, you know, as with anything, like you know, I've never seen smoking gun proof. Not in not in my twenty years of doing this. Right. But I've seen stuff that some stuff that makes me scratch my head a lot more than others. And I don't scratch my head often anymore. So, you know, so Jeff, and this is Jeff, one of those experiences Jeff, have, where I did. You, Jeff, you have written like tons of books, and and a lot of it's got to do with eyewitness testimony. Do you sure. find that that eyewitness testimony is is perhaps more weight than some of the stuff that's going up on the internet, like you know these EVPs and? Oh, and, totally. Uh, I will I will take a firsthand account over a EVP, an EMF spike, or a temperature fluctuation any day of the week. Uh, because, you know, I, I know things that can mess up, you know, uh, EMF meters. You know, we live on a magnet. Call
wild earth. You know, there's there's a someone can get a a cell phone text. Some you know, the wind could shift and make these things go. I mean, I I know Ron, you've done these same things where you do events sometimes and you see people staring at a K2 meter and they talk to it. Come on, flash if you're here. Just flash once if you're here. Flash once if you're here. Ten minutes later, bloop. Thank you. You're here. I'm like, come yeah. on. You know, like <laughs> that, that's. I wouldn't exactly call that responsive. You know what I mean? Um, those don't make me ghost. scratch my head. <laughs> it was a what? slow ghost, you know. That's right. Yeah, very slow. It's, a te- it's like it's, it's a ghost on Mars, ghosts, and it's got the, the, the delay time for the, um... transmission. Um, yeah. But no, I think that the, the firsthand accounts, and, and fortunately, people like us, people who investigate this stuff, sometimes we get those accounts very early, like this happened to me last night, or this happened to me just a few hours ago. And that's as close as you'll ever get to the truth. You know, when someone shares their story for the first time, because there's a natural process when we share stories. I know they change and evolve. They change and evolve in, in hours and days and weeks, because as it's like with anything. You know, if you're telling someone the story about uh, a fishing expedition that, that was, you know, where you caught a shark out on the ocean, you're going to watch people as they start to lean in and, and get really wrapped in what you're saying. And, and you'll naturally, you won't mean to embellish. You're not a dishonest person, but you'll naturally make your story more exciting little by little by little. And I get that. And it's the same with ghosts, you know, but if you can get someone and ask the right questions and be objective early on, I feel like you can get a good eyewitness account, something that really means something. And that's, and that is truly a, an interesting data point, especially if you put it into the context of, of a, a historical haunting where you might have many years and many, uh, a great number of these accounts that you can string together and, and look for patterns. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I said, you've written so many books and, and when you do these books, I know that you spend a lot of time, uh, you know, investigating sources and stuff like that. So, I kind of agree with you that the eyewitness, if if you do the research, the eyewitness can be far more important than uh, a camera or a, uh, or a recorder or anything else, really. Yeah, no, and I think, too, you know, at the end of the day, there are no ghosts without people, right? They, they don't exist in a vacuum, as far as we know. Well, they might right. be in space, but, you know, we have, we have yet to go up there and truly investigate. Um, but... For the, but for the most, and even if even if you set up cameras in a building and leave and let them record all night, there's still a person there, right? There's still you're still the the human right. element isn't removed. It might be removed at the time, but it's not removed from the equation because you're still reviewing the cameras later on and so on. And so, given that, that's why I think I, I just don't think this could ever be considered really a science because. It's, do we have anything that's truly repeatable results, something where every single time it will come out the same way? You know, I haven't seen that. And, and, and I'll give you another example. Human behavior is, is another example of, of something that isn't truly fully predictable or repeatable. You, you've got hunches. You've got good instincts. And there is a field of science called psychology that's really evolved quite a bit over the last, you know, century or two. And, and I think maybe that's more the model as opposed to, hard science where we are going to use this gear and we are going to get this result every time. I just, I've yet to see, it would be awesome, it would be amazing, but I've yet to see anything you, like that. Well, you're going to have to hold that thought. We have to take a break right now. Oh, fine. You're, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Cork and our special guest, Jeff Blander, right here on Tojanet Pararex, Planet Paranormal, your tune-in app, your whatever, and we'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky. The Parax family. The shows are paranormal. Not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. The galloping four horsemen of the apocalypse mean that we're back live in part two of Ghost Chronicles Internationale. Uh, with over on the other side of the Atlantic, we have the world famous Van Helsink, the man with many hats, and the hardest working man in the paranormal, Jeff Belanger. And over here, staying quiet because apparently there's a delay on Skype tonight, is me. So, without further ado, I shall hand you back to the American scientists. 
along You've gone very quiet. That's, <laughs> <a> very... <laughs> That's your cue, Ron. It's you panicked show. me then. I nearly started singing. Yeah, well, you should anyways. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, joining yeah, us yeah, yeah. is yeah, Jeff Belanger. Yeah. I've done Jeff, that bit. Jeff, if anybody wanted to get in hold of you uh, for some reason, I have no clue why, but uh, where could they reach you? What websites do you uh, like to uh, get hit on? I would ask that they go through you, Ron, and so you could screen the emails. <laughs> uh, no, you can always find me at ghostvillage.com, which has been around for 15 years this October. We celebrate oh, our 15th you. birthday next month. Oh, wow. And you can also find me on jeffbelanger.com or on Twitter or Facebook. There you go. Jeff Belanger, S-B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R. Thanks. There you go. I follow no I know how to spell it. Twitter for a long time. <laughs> So I'll follow Jeff, anybody. Jeff, you you are the hottest working man of the paranormal. In, in addition to writing all those trillions of books that you've written, and uh, you also have uh, work on the Ghost Adventures. You uh, have your awesome uh, award-winning show, uh, uh, Legend Tripping, and also you have that other crazy show, Thirty Odd Minutes. I mean, you've got so much going on. But uh, Legend Tripping, this is fairly new for you, right? Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I think any of us that have been doing the paranormal for a while, you go through these moments where you just get so fed up uh, with everything. And and I, I hit that point a few years ago, and I realized, you know, what – this is ironic, uh, as we were just talking about paranormal gear for the first half hour. But uh, I said, you know, what, what am I tired of? I'm tired of the infighting and the drama among all the groups. I'm tired of – the gear that, you know, isn't being used right or isn't really, to me, giving us really profound results at the time. This was a couple of years ago. And I said, but what do I love? I love the stories. The stories are indisputable. The stories can't be argued. You know, you, you, may, you may not believe in ghosts, and that's fine. I'm not out to convert anybody to anything. But when someone perceives what they perceive to be a ghost or a spirit, it's a game changer for that individual. And you can't tell that individual there's no such thing after that because they've had their own personal experience that, you know, though it may defy science or logic, it, it is in now in their wheelhouse. It's now part of who they are and part of them forever. And so the stories, the history, the legends, that's the thing that hooked me when I was a kid. You know, when, when you hear about the haunted cemetery and the, the witch's grave and, and those kind of things. And I realized at the heart of it, that's what I still love about this. So I tried to just kind of throw out everything that I didn't like and keep the stuff I did like. And, and you're left with legend tripping. And while I've been using the term for a few years, it's been around since the 1970s. It's the, uh, the folklorist uh, term for ostension, which is like teenage rite of passage stuff, where you did things like dare each other to go step into the, quote, haunted house, which is you know, the decrepit house in town that everybody's afraid of. You know, that's, that's really what got us, I think, a lot of us interested when we were kids. And it's what we're still doing now to a different level. You can use gear and you can bring in all that other stuff if you want to. That's fine. But, but first and foremost, you're legend tripping because you heard a story that was compelling enough that you wanted to check it out. You know, you don't, if, if we're truly scientists, do we, are we going to go to the, the local McDonald's and, and uh, ask to do an investigation? Because we've never heard a thing about it, but we really want to be thorough and, and just hit every single building in the, you know, in the town. Or is it, no, we want to go to this old battlefield or this old prison because people report ghostly encounters, and that's what we want to check out. There's a backstory there that means something to us, that stirs us inside. And that's the part that I just hold on to, and it's the part that keeps me excited about this after you know doing it for so long. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting about that, and and I want to talk a little bit about uh, more what you're doing with legend tripping. But uh, one thing that always kind of bugged me is what I call a psychology of ghosts and. You know, you got places. I mean, especially you. You work with the Ghost Adventures, who've gone to like the most haunted places, and mm-hmm. those places have been investigated. You know, trains at times, and and some of them are really paranormal tourist traps yeah. uh, or sure. attractions. Attractions, pardon the word. And the people, you get hundreds of people going through there, asking the same stupid questions, doing the <clears throat> same stupid things. I mean, if you're a ghost. What do you do? I mean, why do you do anything? And, and I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I I, I get it, I, and I appreciate it. It's okay, you know. I mean, paranormal tourism is a is a part of the world now, and you know, we see these places on television or on the web, or we hear them talked about on radio shows. And and the reason we go there, whether it's you or me or Steve or or you know, just a regular fan of the subject. Is because at the end of the day, we want to become part of the story. Even our skeptic friends who say, I can debunk this whole thing. I can tell you why there can't possibly be ghosts anywhere, but especially at this location. They're still trying to become part of the story. They want to write the last chapter. What, what could be, you know, what could be more egotistical than that? I will be the final word on, you know, the Bell Witch Cave. I will be the final word on, you know, uh, the Stonehenge or, or any Ram Tail Inn or any of these other places. You know what I mean? The, like, the, it, it's it's a natural phenomenon to want to become part of it. When you watch it on television, you do become part of the story. To actually go there, you may come home and you say. You know what? It's all hype. I don't think there's anything to it. Or what if you have an experience? What if you you get struck by lightning, that that one in a a billion chance while you're there and you see something you can't explain and you get to come home with a story? I totally understand it. I actually don't have a problem with it at all. I understand, too, that places are going to make a buck. They're going to offer nighttime tours and people are going to pay lots of money to turn the lights off and stumble around in the dark and, and see what they see. And you know what? If that's what people enjoy doing, so so be it. Wonderful. You know, other people go to the pub all night. Other people go to sporting events. You know, it's it's okay. Different strokes for all of us. And is it is th- it really okay though? Because yes, if, it if, really if, is. If, it, it, well, I I get your point. I get your point entirely about you know the, there is a market, there is a need, and you know it fulfills uh, you know lots of ticks many boxes. But at the same time. It's also the case that it's destroying psychical research. You know, here's the thing. At some point, a location uh, – but, but, I mean, once a location gets famous for its ghosts, don't you think that it's already – I mean, it's, it's already past the point of, of its usefulness for psychical research? Or do, exactly. do you have to adjust the experiment? You know, do you have to say, okay – now, you know, okay, this, here's a great example. Um, the show Ghost Hunters filmed at a place called uh, Slater Mill in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And they talked about, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry I don't have the exactly right, but they talked about something like the ghost of a, a young boy, age 10, and I think they gave him a name. Or was it a girl? Anyway, this is an old factory, early, early industrial revolution in America, and children used to work there. They used to get hurt there, and some, some died there. The thing is, there was never before that show any talk of this specific ghost. Since the show, it's been cited again and again and again. Now, isn't that interesting? You know, isn't that worth studying? Is it some kind of thought form tulpa that we've created? Is it that 
you know, this famous show has put a label on something that bumps in the night, and now other people, in an effort to become part of the story, you know, see that and, and, and experience it and, and also claim it? Uh, or is it we're just all highly susceptible? And so I think there's research that can be done there, even though they offer ghost tours almost every single night in October, and they've been on television and, and everything else, there's still there's still good information that could be gleaned from that. And if you're really interested, you know, I, I think to me – those untapped resources, for, for me, after doing this for so long and looking at so many places, of course you're always interested in those news stories, the ones that haven't been done to death, because then I think you, you can get better data. But, so, but there's, there's, you know, I think all of us, I know I wear multiple hats. There's Jeff, the guy that works for a, a popular television show that's always looking for great stories that would work well on TV. There's Jeff that loves the paranormal and would love to kick everybody out and be in there totally alone and, and see what I see and hear and experience and feel. And, and then there, there's everything in between. So I think we have shades with this. Uh, I don't think it destroys the research at all, uh, maybe in some locations, but, you know, it's impossible to compete with the almighty dollar. So, so no, I I agree, and I've got no problem with locations that, what? No, go Go on. Come on, man. No, I just, are those places really paranormal research places? I mean, are they really? No, they're museums that happen to have a ghost and then opened up to it. Who's doing the paranormal research? Well, the thing is, what we are losing are cases where, for example, somebody has... Uh, an experience, they have an anomalous experience. They're not going now to organizations that may be able to do uh, the type of investigation that would discover the cause. What they're rushing to now is the local paratim or the local newspaper or the national newspaper and getting their five minutes of fame because that's what they that's what they're conditioned to expect. With regard to the big locations over here in the UK, Woodchester and the Ram, etc., 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 of course, why not? If you've got a ghost, then trade on it. You know, you need the roof fixing, trade on it. It's a resource. <laughs> right. Got no problem with that. Don't. But what you do get is this huge grey area, which is probably bigger than the black and white bits at either end, where ghost investigations is mixed up with events, which is mixed up with what Jeff highlighted, which are, are people's social needs, their psychological needs, where, where people... Uh, we just down the road from me, we have a castle that that had one ghost, a quiet ghost that nobody ever bothered with and nobody ever <laughs> reported, until somebody went along um, and you know the, publicised it, and and then the ghost hunters went in, and the castle now has about seven or eight ghosts, and the numbers are multiplying every year. They're not genuine instances of of haunting activity or spontaneous. Steve, wait, 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 Steve, are you suggesting uh, ghosts are breeding now and having offspring? Because that's amazing. We've got to check that out. No. What I'm suggesting is they are not cases of spontaneous paranormal phenomena. What their cases are is simply people saying, I too want to have that experience. And so any experience that they have, they're being sold by the by by the medium, by the organization that they're there with, by their own expectation, by their own belief. They they can't hear, for example, infrasound. They don't know that they're being affected by electromagnetic waves. So any unusual experience they're immediately labeling as paranormal, that that is then reinforced by the medium who says, Oh yes, thank you, spirit, can you do it again? So right. you're actually dealing with a very interesting sociological, psychological 
phenomena rather right, than a, rather than a paranormal. Service to these people, they, they're getting what yeah, they want. Yeah, but, it, it, but I mean, we're, let's we're face mixing it, they're, the they're paying for this experience, so of they get what they want. Of course, and there's there's like, there's no there's, there is no question that paranormal inventing. Uh, paranormal, you know, tripping, let's use the American term, is good for business and is good for people. You know, on a Saturday night, years ago, people used to go with their friends. They used to go to a movie, get a box of popcorn, be scared by The Exorcist, be scared by Poltergeist. Now, they put their group fleece on and they all go out together and get scared. It's, it's an interactive, scary movie. It is not psychical research. It's not paranormal investigation. Yeah, it's, we it's never a more... claim that way. We never claim yes, but they way. do. They do claim that. What Jeff yeah, is highlighting. Seems, seems right, Ron. Is... There are groups that do claim they're out there doing science when, in fact, what they really are, I would say, is more of a social club. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with a social club. It's totally exactly. okay. But, but I, I see what Steve's saying, and I, I've run into it, too. It's the reason I've never been part of a team, for me, anyway. It, it's just, you know, I, 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 for some people, that it is, it's just simply filling a social need, and, and it's great fun, and there's nothing in the world wrong with that. Nothing. Keep doing it. Get the matching T-shirts. It's totally all good. But to claim you're doing, you know, real research, and then what I've always warned people is, please, oh, please, if you're going to have a group like that, don't deal with private cases in, in homes where there's often – a lot more going on than paranormal, if there's any paranormal at all. It's usually there's drugs, there's violence issues, there's psychological disorders, all of which we are not qualified to deal with. You know, so I I totally understand his point, and I I think it's a good one. Absolutely. So anyways, uh, that being said, I mean, I I know that I do my own events, and and Jeff, you do events as well. Yeah, sure. And I I don't make any excuses for those because I am providing – uh, something to somebody who wants something, but I'm also doing other stuff too. But I don't combine the two. And I, I of course, that's no, of course, what... you know, I, I, I know I've given the speech before my events. You know, folks, this isn't true paranormal investigation. We wouldn't bring 50 people on a ghost hunt. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's not not in any location. That's not really what we would do. But we're giving you a taste of of the experience. We're giving you access to a place you probably couldn't get access to otherwise. And it's a fun social experiment, you know, experience. We, we eat dinner. We have some snacks. We have, we have some experiences, and we talk about them. And, and, and I agree with you, Ron. No apologies for that. But then also there's stuff we do privately. There's stuff we do for our own uh, experiments and, and things like that. And, and that's where sometimes you've got some, some really interesting stories to tell. And, and the other thing is that we don't mention Jeff too keeps much. Jeff all it, my lines. The other thing that – well, that's too bad. <laughs> Anyways um, – we raise money for some of these places for preservation, which is an important factor as well. I mean, that's not to be overlooked. Absolutely. So here's the thing. I, I wrote a book called Who's Haunting the White House for children years ago, and I called the White House. This was back in 2008. No, probably earlier than that, maybe six or seven. And I, um, I, I spoke to the White House, and I said, hey, I want to do a book about the ghosts of the White House. And they said, we're really not interested in that. Um, and I said, well, I think we can use ghosts as an innovative way to teach history to, to kids. And they said, go on. And next thing I knew, I was, able, I was invited down there. I got to interview some of the staff. I got a, a tour of the place. It was amazing. It was wonderful. It's an opportunity. And when I talk to historic locations, I tell them, if you're not using your ghosts, you're doing everyone a disservice, including the ghosts. 
Because you can't know who a ghost is unless you knew who they were. And you know who they were by setting the stage historically, by going back in time, by learning about, you know, who lived here, who died here, who, who would care about this place. And that is an attachment. To me, that's, that's what's so interesting, right? Because a ghost is a direct connection to our past, to our ancestors, to our history. It's the past coming to the present. It's us literally interacting with it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I would not want to live in a world without ghosts. Whatever they are. Uh, it, it's it's uh, from a, a folklore perspective, they're so critically important, and they can serve so many purposes. They, when we talk about ghosts at, at a dinner party, and I'm sure this has happened to both of you guys as well, where someone's like, oh, ghosts, huh? huh? You know, that's all rubbish. And you say, yeah, I know, whatever. You've heard it. And then later on, they'll pull you aside and say, you know, actually, I did have this one time. And you laugh and you say, okay, tell me about your one time. It, it, it's a, by talking about ghosts, we get to talk about life after death without any of the dogmas and weirdness of religion. We get to talk about what comes next, the big questions of the universe, in a very safe way, because those who are... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's talk about yeah. my religion that I'm starting. It's going to be great, you know, and, and everyone will just squirm and go, no, 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 not religion, please, we can't talk about that. But we can talk about ghosts, and we should talk about ghosts. And and so if, if these, these shows help you know, push that forward if these locations with their ghost tours help keep that discussion going. Even if it's not 100% accurate, it's still a discussion that has to happen. And then we'll have to just learn to separate what I would call legend tripping and real psychical or, or paranormal research. Okay. Speaking of legend tripping, you have yes. a new, new thing you're doing, and, and you're always doing something new, which is why I actually follow you. Uh, it, it, I don't know where I'm going. You really should stop. Yeah, you have this new uh, show that you're doing, which is called Legend Tripping. And uh, New England Legends, actually. All right, close enough. Uh, yeah, close on. enough. Go on. Except one was nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, well. Yeah. I heard about him. Okay. I, did, anyways, I didn't win, though. Do you want to, tell, do you want to oh. tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so it, uh, New England Legends started last year. It's something that we do for uh, some PBS stations here in New England. And uh, it's uh, my partner, Tony Dunn, who's a producer at PBS. I worked with him years ago on a show called Things That Go Bump in the Night, Tales of Haunted New England. Um, and, and that went uh, nationwide, which was really great. And we, we always kept in touch and started this last year. We did two episodes, and uh, we, we wrote them, produced them. I hosted it. Like we did every, It was really just three people that put their hands on that show. And we submitted it for an Emmy, and it was nominated last year, which we're really proud of. And so this year we have a new episode coming out ne uh, next month. It'll be at least on two stations, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. We're working on the others. And it's just it's a labor of love. We don't make any money doing this, but it's just, uh, again, a way to connect with these stories and connect with our own traditions and folklore here in New England. Right, and you can actually – I hate to say it, but you can actually get the uh, DVDs of these, right? You can. They're on uh, OurNewEnglandLegends.com. They're eight bucks each. Come on, can't oh, beat it, right? That's cheap. That's cheap. I know, totally cheap. Well, thirty pounds if you're in England and you try to use Atlantic shipping. I know. God. You, <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're trying to set up something where you can just pay for download, and that would be even cheaper. So we're, Actually, we're, we're working what, on it. Uh, our good friend Richard Fearless does that. He has lots of downloads.com, and he has uh, lots of episodes that you can go up there, and I think it's for you know a buck or something. Uh, you can download yeah. it right to your computer. So, that yeah, that's a good way of doing it. That's not a bad idea. 
Richard Felix, fun guy. I first met him on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. We tried to go water skiing off the back. It didn't work. The boat doesn't move anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes, Richard's uh, a man of many, uh, yeah, yeah, many. Yeah, many. many. Lots, lots and lots and lots. Jeff, there's, yeah. there's, a, quite a, there's quite a few people, uh, when they found out you were coming on the show, saying that they want 30-odd minute T-shirts, and can they still get them? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we have a few. Um, I am running out of some sizes, but it's funny. We've had a run on those lately. I don't know why. We had a bunch a year ago, and we sold a few, and then, you know, it, um, yeah, it's on the website, 30oddminutes.com, where you can see all of our past 169 episodes all for free. You can download them for free on iTunes. You can watch them for free on YouTube. They're on Roku for free, unless you are using some paid service, but um, it's all out there. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, you've gotten more and more into the TV end of it. Do you, you, you know, a lot of people, uh, the TV is good and bad. First of all, this, a lot of people, that's all they want is their five minutes of fame. You know, they, sure. they do they do all this ghost hunting stuff just to hopefully get a TV show and be rich. And you've been yeah. doing this for a while, and and, and, <laughs> you're, and look how look how rich you are. But uh, I know. And the other thing is. It's also a labor of love as well. I mean, because that's how I got into paranormal was doing. TV of course. As well. Yeah, no, I think, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I look at Ghost Adventures now as like my day job. I mean, it's a really cool day job and I have a lot of fun and I, and I love doing it. And it's been uh, it's been quite an experience, you know, and I've learned a lot. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's other projects we work on, you know, 30 odd minutes. I don't make any money in the PBS show. I don't make any money. You know, there, there's things you do. And it's great that it entertains so many people. And then there's things you do because you say, you know, I really think it should be done this way. It's a, it's a craft. It's a craft. To me, it's like it's an art and a craft. I, I was a writer first. That That's always what I will call myself. That's what I went to school for. That's what I wanted to be when I was young. It's what I strive to get better at every day is, is a storyteller. Uh, because that's it's a story is just such a powerful force in the universe, and, and and I understand that. And our personal stories are mean so much to us. Now, some stories really resonate with lots of people, and they get made into movies and make billions of dollars. And some stories just resonate with a select few, but still have great meaning for those folks. And and when it comes to ghost stories, you know, it's 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 that kind of way. You know, some people are. Uh, are really interested in, in just the frightening ones, and others want to know about the touching ones and and, and the historical ones. And, and there's so many subsets within this, and I, I, that's what I love about it. You, you'll, you, you could never get bored, you know, researching this kind of stuff. And that's what I think has kept me hooked because no subject has kept me interested this long in anything else. I can't think of any other thing in the world that has held my attention as long as the paranormal has. Now, when you say the paranormal, Jeff, do you, are you just – Talking about ghosts, are you talking the, the bigger picture, UFOs, cryptozoology, uh, whatever else that's strange out there? Yeah, no, you know, I started at, in ghosts, and I really, the more I got interested in stories, the more I got interested in all of it, you know, um, because one person's demon is another person's alien is another person's coincidence, you know, or, or bad dream, and and so I, I think, you know, I, I want to put it all on the table, and it all started really with old hag syndrome, which you know I'm sure you've heard of the idea. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're paralyzed, and you see this dark mist coming for you, for you, and you can't breathe, and then suddenly the whole event is over. 
I've heard people at UFO conferences describe that, and they say, well, this is an attempted abduction. This is a, a gray alien coming for you. And I, I smile because I've heard the same exact thing said at a ghost conference where they say, this is an incubus or a succubus. This is a, a demonic force coming for you. And I've heard psychologists say, this is a hypnagogic hallucination combined with a, you know, a, a temporary sleep paralysis. <laughs> at the end of the day, you go, well, who the hell is right? All three of them are, you know, talked about an identical situation. Who's right at the end of the day? Yeah, Tell me, you're Ron. absolutely right. Who? Me. No, wrong. It's the alien. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm any, anyways, no, that was the uh, doorbell, which means pizza from the dead's here, so we've actually got to wrap it up, Jeff. So, All right. Uh, well, we wanna, thank you. We want to we thank you so much for being on the show and, uh, you know, answering these hard questions. Oh, shoot. I, like I said, I love the discussion. Anytime, man. I, I appreciate uh, both of you guys having me on. Well, with us, Steve? I haven't, I haven't been anywhere else, have I? I don't know. It's just that, well, apparently, because of this delay, I've uh, had trouble edging my way between you scientists. Now's your chance. you get 30 seconds. <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much for coming on. Finally good to meet you, and thanks for stealing all of my lines. Oh, gosh, my pleasure. You know, I mean... Uh... <laughs> It's, uh, it's except, always fun, and, and have a good accident. trip over here in the States. Maybe I'll, I'll get the chance to run into you. Oh, hopefully. I am there for two weeks, and I don't think he's got me working for the entire two weeks. Sounds well, good. Well, you? I'm sure there's some, some pub somewhere that... Uh, Yay! That's an idea. It sounds like a, a, an idea. Pub right, and, and maybe we'll find a haunted one, and then we can write it off as a business expense. Yeah. Don't we, pub, aren't they all haunted, tripping. right? Yeah. They, they all have in, spirits. No, all yeah. pubs in the UK are haunted. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> it's a scientific goodness. fact. Anyways, that's the music. we got to go. Jeff Belanger, thank you so much. JeffBelanger.com, 30-odd minutes. Uh, New England legend tripping. What else did I miss, Jeff? Pub oh, Pub. Ghost Village. Ghost all Village. Oh, the big one. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Good night. God bless, everyone. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.